We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chiefs played a preseason game. College football is in camp and right around the corner trying to figure out who's going to make their starting roster. I have everything that you need to know right here on the Best of Everything presented by Charlie Hustle. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, guys? I'm Michaela Bennett, and this is the best of everything presented by Charlie Hustle. Let's get to it. The Chiefs played their first preseason game, and Mahomes played one drive. And, I mean, we really didn't expect much different. They said he was going to play a quarter. He got a drive. Okay. Well, there was a lot of other questions that kind of shook out throughout the game. The guys at KC Laboratory talk about the quarterback position and the young rookies. And, you know, I think that's like a thing in Kansas City now is young rookies stepping up and making some big plays. Um, You know, the Royals are doing it right now. And I think that the Chiefs are going to be doing it this whole season. A lot of young guys, a lot of young talent, a lot of fun guys to watch. So the guys at KC Laboratory talked about the cornerback position, who they were impressed with, what they thought from the first preseason game, you know, what next week's going to look like, et cetera. So I'll let them talk about it a little bit. I am so hyped for these rookie cornerbacks. I, 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 I am crazy hyped for these rookie corners. So, yeah, no, it's, it's great. It, we've seen positive things from all these guys. So, yeah, it just makes sense to bring it all back around to why they felt comfortable moving on from Lonnie Johnson at this stage. Yeah, no, what a – yeah, you're so good at all these transitions, Craig. I think, you know, like the length is, the length of this group has played from from a rookie perspective and, like you said, the I, the, the IQ has played really well with, with Trent McDuffie. It's been fun to watch. One quick more question on the cornerback position. Is it – do we think it's DiCaprio – and I know DiCaprio Boodle's probably got, you know, a leg up from the slot perspective. Do we think it's DiCaprio Boodle versus Nazi Johnson? For the one of, for the last cornerback spot, like I think, Lejarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson are locks. Is it Nazi Johnson versus DiCaprio Boodle? We think. I listen. 
I'm going to say this, knowing full well how Maddie's going to take this. I, I don't think that we can just shove Chris Lamont's out of the way here. I think that I think that right Ooh. now he is on the roster. So I think that <laughs> I don't I don't think that we so I think he's on the roster. So I think it's closer to Jalen Watson, DiCaprio Boodle, and Nazi Johnson are all competing for a spot. And right now, DiCaprio Boodle is the only guy that plays in the slot unless you're comfortable oh. putting Rashad Fenton back in there. I don't think as good as Watson was, I don't think he's ahead of Boodle if you're starting to parse out who's making this roster because Boodle does more. I mean, he just simply does more. He's a proven special teamer. He was called up last year to play special teams and spots for the Chiefs. So you know he can do it. He's played some safety for the Chiefs last year in camp. He's playing, you know, in the nickel. He played in on the outside at Nebraska, so he can play inside, outside, safety, and on special teams. I don't feel comfortable saying anybody besides, you know, the top guys, McDuffie, Sneed, Fenton, are like the guy, and Joshua Williams I will put on there. But I will say I yeah. only really feel super comfortable about this first three definitely being ahead of him, probably Joshua Williams too, but he just does so much. And again, I know there was some hints coming out of camp today that McDuffie's getting a little bit of work in the slot, but it was just very, that just a tiny, tiny bit of a, oh, McDuffie took a rep in the slot, and then that was it. And then it was back to Boodle being your second team slot corner i think that matters i'll I, go I mean, nuclear if jalen watson isn't on this team over chris lamont's we all will. will chiefs to this will commence this is one of the first i said it last week this is one of the first times where like i just the chiefs have enough young talent at corner that it makes no sense to keep a special teams only guy in years past whether you want to say the corner room was better or not with breland and ward and sneed and all those guys together there wasn't the bottom in talent to justify, you know, being upset if Lamont makes the team this year, it's justifiable. Like you got to be upset if, if they cut one of these guys. It's happening. For, it's uh, happening though. I'll you put it. I don't it. think so. I'll put it simply: if they, if the Chiefs lean into this youth movement all year, and then Dave Tobe gets the impact to just nuke it at the end, I'm gonna lose it. I'm gonna lose it. Obviously, there's a lot of questions, a lot of movement going on in the quarterback position, but BJ, Tucker, and Nick sat down on outside the trenches to talk about the Chiefs' first preseason game as well. They had a few other instances to talk about. They talked about the wide, wide receiver position, and the wide receiver position, obviously, you know, there's no Tyreek, so who's going to step up? They talked about Sky Moore, you know, the seventh rounder. He got 11 yards. BJ, I love what he says in the beginning where he says, well, you'll see, but he says, you know, a Chiefs fan, there's going to be so optimistic, 11 yards. They're, the Chiefs fans can just take it and run with it. I'm one myself. So they talk about that, um, the offense, what it's going to look like now. A lot of young guys, again, big Kansas City thing right now, young guys. But is McCole Hardman going to step up? Is he going to fill those shoes of Tyree Hill? What are the veterans going to do in the offense? What are the rookies going to do in the offense? So the guys at – Outside the trenches, if you want to tune into this full show, check it out. But they talk a little bit about the offense and what the wide receiver position will look like. Never underestimate the ability of a Chiefs diehard Chiefs fan, even like myself, being able to spin the fact that he had 11 yards. And it was like, he only had 11 yards. I'm like, yeah, because they're saving him. They're not going to show like he is a seventh rounder. But they're hiding all the things that he can do Double for this secret. offense. <laughs> so Double like he has 80 weapon. yards. You could be excited. He has 10 yards. Like they're just saving him. Saving like tis the season for hope. So that's where I'm going with this one. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He got a good 34 yard kick return though. 
So that he was explosive. That was nice. He yeah. showed off the, that burst on that. I talked about that too, like the contact balance and then the burst on the return. You could see that he's got a little juice. Uh, confidence, right confidence with the ball. So that's that's Big. huge. And and hungry, hungry. Seventh round, Rutgers. It's got all the the stuff. A tough, strong runner and confident runner, and that's that's what I like to see. Uh, I, I call Jersey, yeah. uh, Jersey kid, double whammy, double mm-hmm. whammy. So East Coaster all the way, coming in the Midwest, doing his thing. Yep. So I probably gave away mine earlier, uh, but I, I really like Sky Moore. The fact that he's doing kick returns, the fact that he's doing punt returns, uh, the, the you know the fact that he was a converted running back in college, uh, played for a small school, uh, has a chip on his shoulder. Um, Cooper Cup. Where was Cooper Cup? Where where did he go to school? At? Western Oregon. Right. So, a, like that. is that right? A, a non. I, I yeah. But it, but it, I know it's a small school. And then Sky Moore. What? He's Western Michigan. Right. So tough, yeah. tough, gritty, and he's he just like I said, watching his college film, just just smooth route runner. And, and you look at fundamentals from from college. You, you look at the, the, these fundamentals and it's like, that's something that translates well to the NFL is no wasted steps. You know, your first three steps are, are, are positive. There's no false steps. You know, you're, you're smooth, uh, great hands. He can do a lot and they're already asking him to do a lot in this offense. So it's like, yeah. you know, you kind of hide him. And then once someone gets, you know, has a, a tweaked hamstring week three, week four, where Sky Moore comes in fresh legs. And like I said, don't Cooper. discount. Yeah. Don't Cooper Cup's from Eastern Washington, not Western Oregon. Western Oregon. So. <laughs> Same general area. It's all directional Northwest. state up there somewhere. Pacific Northwest. It's all the same. But yeah, so th- that's why I think I think he's going to be the sneaky, uh, low key contributor. Uh, and then mm-hmm. back to everything, we barely mentioned McCall Hardman, and yeah. that that is just nuts. to me, that you know, it's like. So he could have a great backup year or a great year as well if you consider him a non-starter or a starter, depending on how you count him. I just like the fact that the first pass went to like a 10-yard gain to McCall Hardman after. And the KC Lab guys have talked about this a lot because they pay attention to the things that are going on. But a lot of his catches have been in and around the line of scrimmage. And they yeah. had Tyreek and McCall has talked about not facing as much um, yesterday off coverage in the way that they'd kind of been played before. Um, I think he went on, you know, good morning football or one of those national TV shows and was talking about, you know, that he is inviting people to play, not even bump and run, but just play a little bit closer to him so he can run right by them. Well, I thought it was telling that the first pass that Patrick Mahomes threw was like a 10 yard dig, uh, to McCall Hardman to show like, Hey, I can make plays that aren't just, you know, jet sweeps and end arounds and things like that, that bubble screens plays that are in and around the line of scrimmage. So, thought that was a great sign. I think, Nick, you're exactly right, and that he's the one guy. We talk about MVS, Sky Moore, talk about Juju, now Justin Watson, that McCall Hardman's that other guy that, I mean, there was even a highlight earlier today um, on Tuesday of McCall Hardman running right by, and I think it was Trent McDuffie who has been really, really good. Uh, yeah. But uh, McCall Hardman just running him on it like a – it was a hitch and go and just making a play down the field. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited. Again, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, but what the offense can do, and McColl could be a huge part of it if he's making plays you know, intermediate, deep down the field. Like That's going to be huge for this offense. Obviously, it's still in training camp for the Chiefs. A lot of cuts to be made, but Carter Stanley, former KU quarterback, sat down with the guys in Booth Review this week to talk about what it's like to be actually – in training camp, you know, in a college camp when you're competing against your roommate, you're competing against your best friend for the same position, what it's like from a personal perspective, you know, are there times where 
you should be happy for, you know, your roommate, your teammate, et cetera. What is it like to actually, you know, eat the same meal with a guy that you are vying against for the same starting position? What are coaches thinking as you're going throughout, you know, camp? So Carter talks about that a lot from a personal perspective, what it was like for him as um, a player at KU and also just what it was like for him as a veteran to come in with some so many rookies underneath him, just kind of like understanding it a bit more. So he gives that personal insight, which I think is really important, really cool to like understand as we're going through training camp right now to realize these Kansas City Chiefs players. They are still so young. It is their first year. They are rookies. They have no clue what's going on. You know, it is their first season and they are competing against people that they maybe grew up playing against, maybe grew up playing with. So I think that's something like really taken into consideration whenever you're, you know, thinking about what these guys are going through throughout camp. You know, Carter, like there's like uh you know, like when you're when you're in a QB battle and all this stuff, right? Like it's it's uh you're you're still you're going against your teammates. There's like that dynamic, right, where you know your guys are pushing yourselves to make each other better. You're probably also pretty close because you're all stuck in that room together. And there's a whole lot of demand with the quarterback position. Um speak on the I just I want to I want you to speak on the dynamic between battling your friends. And, you know, try to make yourself better simultaneously, but also try to beat those guys. Right. Like talk a little bit about that dynamic. Yeah, that's that's certainly another whole, you know, component to it. There's you're with those guys all year long. And it's it's so much more than just doing all the drills together and and watching film together. Like those are your uh, you know, those are your lifting partners. You're you're running sprints together back in January um you know in my instance I, I actually roomed with Peyton Bender like I, that was my roommate for two years which definitely you know was definitely weird at first but uh you know we we got so much closer and that's what kind of made that competition you know probably the easiest out of all of them I'd say but definitely gets weird because you're you're watching film after a long day of practice and you know whether you had a good day or bad day and same thing with your your competition, whether they had a good day or bad day, you're just kind of sitting there and, you know, you tally it up as like a win for the day or a loss for the day. And, you know, even in some cases you're roomed with them in the hotel that night for three weeks. And it's, it definitely gets a little weird, but you know, it's, it's part of it. Would, would there be times where you would notice something that the other guy was doing maybe wrong or could be corrected and, even early in your career, was it awkward to be like to, to try and help people through these competitions when you're maybe facing them? And then did you ever have another quarterback kind of help you while you were competing against them? To be honest, yeah, fall camp, the boys aren't, they're not necessarily dishing out tips. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely, you know, you know what's at stake. And what, like, let's say, you know, coach is talking to your direct competition and he'll, he'll mention something that he likes or doesn't like, you're taking a mental note to yourself. Okay. Maybe, maybe try to pull that off or definitely don't try to, you know, do that move. So there's a, it's a lot of mental games and, you know, a lot of preparation that goes into it. Do you know who's winning? Can you tell? Uh, You can tell, but it, it does kind of change. You know, I'd say there were several times where say you're two weeks in and, kind of consistently every day one guy's got a leg up on the other one. And then, you know, that weekend you have a 11 on 11 scrimmage the whole day kind of simulating a game and 
you know, one quarterback does much better than the other. And you could kind of tell with the the coaches, they fully swip, you know, flip a switch and that next Monday's maybe the reps are divided differently. So it definitely varies. Uh, but no, usually, usually you can tell. So Carter talks a lot about training camp, but we are so lucky to have one-on-one this week, Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito. Both are former NFL athletes, and they talked a lot about their times in training camp, what it was like as a rookie coming in, and you may not make the squad, you may make practice squad, you may not, and what it was like just you know, you come from a place where you are the best high school player in your area. You are the best college player in your area. And now you get to the professional level and everyone is just as good as you, if not better. How does that fit into, you know, your identity? How how do you handle that? Because you may not make the 53-man roster. You may not even make the practice squad. But like Jeff Allen says in this, he says, there are 31 other teams who might want you. So you should give your all every single day because even though you don't make this one team, you could make 31 other teams. There could be a call right after you get cut, right after you get released to go join another roster. I think that's something that's really important for these young guys to remember that every single snap, even if you're not going to be a chief, you can go be somewhere else. You know, you can go be a playmaker for someone else and that your real is your strongest resume right now because you are ultimately determining your future based off how hard you play, how smart you play. You may not be the best athlete. You may not be, you know, the fastest, whatever. But if you are out there hustling, you are out there giving your all, coaches are going to see that. They're going to recognize it. So Mike DeVito, Jeff Allen talked about it a lot this week on one-on-one about what their, their experience was like as rookies as well as what their experience was like as veterans. So obviously if you're a veteran, it's a whole different mindset coming into camp. You know, you've been through it before, you know what to expect, but veterans come in and they have to kind of watch the rookies a little bit. They have to, you know, cheer them up. They have to give them some pep talks. So it's really interesting to see like their insight from a personal standpoint and what it was like actually in camp, the mental side of it, as well as the physical side of it. Well, let's finish up with this. So. Uh, we were talking to BJ before we hopped on and talking about this time of year and how we're starting to, and it's even, I guess it's even more so now compared to when we were there, given uh, now that there's only three preseason games and stuff happens a lot quicker, but yeah, you know, we're starting to get the cuts. Uh, they're starting to whittle down the roster. You start to see how, you know, how the team's going to play out. You know, it's like you talked about Jeff, a tall tale sign is who gets reps you know, and what kind of reps they get uh, during these preseason games. So I know you I know you remember this time of year when you're talking to guys in the locker room. And, and I've had guys come up, younger guys saying, hey, I don't know if I'm going to make the team. Like, mm-hmm. I got, you know, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the numbers. And but tell me, talk to me about your experiences, because this can start to be a difficult time of year where you got to be like, I didn't like to lie to guys, but sometimes you're like, man, yeah, yeah man. Yeah, like, like, like older guys would tell me. Thankfully, I was a second round pick. So right. I had a little bit of uh, leeway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but what I would tell any young guy that, that would have that conversation is, listen, man, like your film's your resume. Right. And you have to go out there and you may not make this team, but there's 31 right. other teams out there. So That's... make sure you go out there and you're putting your best foot forward because someone's evaluating you. You may not work out here because of numbers. It, it may be a guy like me that was a second round pick or a guy in free agency 
that right. they've made a financial commitment to that they can't let go. It's just the numbers game at that point. Right. Um, but if you're a good football football player and you do what you need to do, someone's going to pick you up. Um, whether you get on an active roster or a practice squad, you'll have an opportunity to continue playing if you do what you need to do. So don't count the numbers. Make sure you go out there and put your best foot forward and, and just and, and ball out. And I remember my rookie year, uh, I was like, there's no way I'm going to make this team. We, we had um, a ton of vets. Uh, older guys, guys I could mention that people probably remember, but Kimo Von Olhoppen and Bobby Hamilton and Sean Ellis. We had Eric Hicks on the team. KJ yeah. Hall, all stacked locker room. And I remember thinking, there's, you know, maybe I'll make practice squad, but there's no way I'll make this active roster. And, you know, and I, you know, but still kept that mindset that you're talking about, right? Every day, just go out there and work, right? I can't, can't worry about counting, can't worry about who's here, who's not here. All I can worry about is my resume, what I put on the field. And I remember back then we had four different cuts. I believe after every preseason game, there was a round of cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we got all the way to the last game playing Philly and I was still on the roster and I thought, wow, I might, I might actually have a chance to do this. And that last week, right, everybody gets cut, and I was the only undrafted rookie to make the team. That's awesome. And I remember going in, getting into the cold tub, and in there was Brandon Moore, who was a great offensive lineman, and he made the team as an undrafted. Yeah, he's yeah. Oh, Brandon's the bet. Uh, he was incredible. He was, he was a, a D lineman. He, he, he came in as a D lineman, then yeah. switched to O-line, That's made awesome. the team as an undrafted free agent, made the pro ball, played a decade in the league, I mean, yeah. he, and he was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and him, actually, you guys remind me a lot of each other now that I think about it. Um, but I remember going into the cold tub and seeing him in there and he said, and he said, Hey, congratulations that, you know, what you did is pretty, pretty cool. Like that's not, not easy to do. And coming from him who he had done the same thing, it just, it meant so much. And so I guess you're, you're right. I just want to echo your point that, that that's the key, right? I mean, as these young guys and, and as an older guy, what you're trying to tell them is, Hey, all you can worry about is what you can do every day. Yep. Are you getting better? Are you showing the coaches, you know, the best sort of version of yourself on that field? And and not only these coaches, but if you're just in an impossible spot that you can't make this team, everybody else that's looking at the roster, everybody else that's calling Andy Reid to ask about you. Mm-hmm. Hey, oh, Andy's going to go to bad for you if you're a good player. We've good talked char- about that. Good character. Be a good, good teammate. Um, good habits. Good character. Um, stay humble, man. Like – like my rookie year, seeing like coming into the league and seeing really good football players lose their jobs and sometimes mm. never get an opportunity to play again, that really wakes you up and you realize right. that, hey, this, don't take this for granted. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. You're going to earn it. Right. Um, but make sure every single day, no matter where you, what point you are in your career, you've never arrived. Tom exactly. Brady talks about it all the time. You've you got to earn it every single fucking day because that's right. There are so many guys that want that spot. Mm-hmm. And there's so many guys that not only want it, that deserve it, but you're that guy in that spot. So don't take it for granted. Maximum effort every single day. Uh, even those days where you don't want to do it. We, we joke about it. Right. Like, it sucks. You don't want to do it. But, like, you understand and appreciate it at the end of the day because you, you are in a, a blessed situation. And you will regret it if you don't. Yep. You will regret it. I regret so much. And I've talked about how much I regret not putting in more effort. Uh, when you get done and look at it from the but other you side, put in a ton of effort though, Mike. Like you're one of the guys that w- maximized your your talent. Did every you were undrafted guy that made it in the league for damn near a decade. Yeah, um, you, you and, know what it is. That, that's unbelievable. You know, I appreciate that, Jeff. I, I I look back and there were a lot of times that I made excuses. 
there are a lot of times that I said, I don't need, you know, I'm with the, uh, I got to spend time with the family. That was always, yeah. I got to spend time with the family. I've been retired for six years now and I see them 365, 20, you know, 24, seven, three. I mean, there's nowhere to get away from everybody. I see them all the time. Yeah. Um, and I love them, but like, that was always an excuse. And I look back and wonder like, damn, if I would have just sold, really sold out, I mean, I sold out to an extent, but if I really would have sold out, how much better could I have been? You know, speaking of veterans, the guys at Three Moss sat down and talked about K-State football and Deuce in the running back position. What is the running back room going to look like this year for K-State is the big question. I think that there's a lot of different scenarios that could happen. And maybe they're trying to take away some responsibilities from Deuce. Maybe they're trying to get him away from being such a blocking back. So many different scenarios could happen. So the guys at Three Mall, Cole, Derek, and John sat down and talked about their perspective of what K-State fans should expect. Should they be happy right now? Should they be worried? What is going on in the running back position? I'm glad you guys mentioned Taylor Potier coming back on the offensive line because I think that's a it's a massive boost. I mean, there was a ton of buzz about him last year. And so getting him back in there, I think will be uh, uh, something that really helps offset some of the losses on the offensive line as well. I don't have many concerns there at all. When we're talking about the running game overall in general, set aside, I guess, the Deuce Vaughn storyline for right now, because as silly as this is, I think the bigger question on everybody's mind is, all right, who's who's RB2? You know, I mean, there are some names here, but who? what do they actually have without Joe Irvin, without Jacardier Wright? What do they actually have at running back to spell Deuce a little bit? Or if you're going to use Deuce out in the slot, you know, I mean, who can be there for a running back actually in the backfield? So I'm going to open it up with that as the question here, D.Y. How confident should K-State fans be in the battle that's going on right now for running back two? And like, I don't know. I mean, I, you can tell by the tone of my voice where I'm at with it. I'm. It's a, it's a little it's a little troubling. If you think about anything happening to Deuce, God forbid, which he's been extremely durable. And I think that. That helps, but some freak accident, something can happen. We've seen it happen with Skylar Thompson multiple times. How tough of a situation would K-State be in with what's left there at running back behind it? I sense that they feel pretty good about Anthony Frias and DJ Giddens. I really do. I sense that there's a comfort level there. The problem, I don't really think that there's a problem in the backfield for this year per se. I, I think that the issue probably lies in the future when Deuce is gone just because, well, they only have three running backs on scholarship now that Devin Weathers has left the program. So um, this year, probably not a problem. You get one injury, then it gets a little um, little hairy, I would say, but even they'll, they'll talk up their walk-ons as well. But I think they view Anthony Freeze as the perfect complement to Deuce Fall because he can kind of shoulder some of the responsibilities that he's well-versed in or kind of the ones that they'd like Deuce not to take on himself, I think. Right. The pass blocking, the short yardage run between the tackles type stuff. I think I think I think they offered and added Anthony Freas because his game kind of is conducive to those roles. So I think he's the they view him as a very good complement to what Deuce Bomb provides. So that they can maybe, you know, shed Deuce of some of those responsibilities and roles that he was also taking on the past couple of years, because you have to think even though he had Joe Irvin and he had Jacardia Wright, when you have those two, those are guys that were pretty inexperienced and 
And they were just guys to just give the ball to as well. I mean, Deuce had to do the blocking, you know, the, the in between the tackles running, so to speak, and, and all of that. So with Frias, they, they can take some of that responsibility off his shoulders. That's what they feel like. And with DJ Giddens, I'd hate to even make the, the comparison because it's lofty standards. But we're probably talking someone in the talent range, and, and he's got to realize it, and it has to come to fruition, and that means – you know, a lot of the mental stuff and, and, and all that stuff. But he probably is in the talent range of Mike McCoy. Like, they think he's that special really? of a skill set, that special of a talent. Got to get the light bulb to come on. Got to crack the code to unlock some of that. And I don't think that's totally happened yet. But when we're talking about upside and potential, I think he's in that aura. And look, we asked Deuce about the backup running backs at Big 12 Media Days, and and he lit up when he talked about DJ Giddens and the talent level. If he can realize his potential, you know, it's ultimately going to come down to the playbook and picking up the comfort level in the offense for him. Um, but obviously a big, powerful running back out of Junction City that the coaching staff really likes. The talent is certainly there, very strong and physical. Deuce talked about, I think, him squatting over 400 pounds. Um, so it's all there. It's just, he's got to pick up the playbook. He's a redshirt freshman. You like the freest pickup. I think one of the interesting things here, guys, that will come about is we talk about the offense hurrying up and going from 58 plays per game into the low seventies. Well, that means you're probably going to have to rely on your backup running back a little bit more than you did in the past, because you're going to be running an increase of 13, 14 more plays per game. And you don't want deuce out there for all of those. So there's going to be more snaps where there's either empty backfield or you're going to have a DJ Giddens or free us out there on the field. So that'll be interesting. And look, you hate though to take deuce off the field in passing situations because he's such a dynamic pass catching threat. And so it'll be interesting how they, they do it, but they're going to need a guy to step up and take a little bit of the burden off of deuce. I mean, last year, the leading second leading rusher on the team was Joe Urban with 322 rushing yards. If they can get 300 yards plus from a, one of the backup running backs this year, I think you feel decent about that. Um, and I think the other thing, guys, just on the running game in general, it'll be really interesting what they do with Adrian Martinez in the rushing game. This is a guy that's averaged over 500 yards a season running the football. All four years at Nebraska, he was 500 yards or over in rushing. But you know that Colin Klein knows that the grind that that running attack has on a quarterback. Colin Klein felt it firsthand, and it sounds like he doesn't want to run the quarterback as much. Adrian doesn't want to run as much. That's partially why you picked this offense. And for health, you got to keep Adrian Martinez healthy, yeah. so you don't want him taking a lot of hits. So it'll be interesting the number of QB designed runs that they have baked in for Adrian. If you look at Nebraska, a lot of his big runs were in scramble situations when he busted big runs. I, I could see that still being certainly a a big part of his game, but I would not want to see a ton of QB designed runs for him where he's taken a lot of hits just because of the backup quarterback situation. There was not that many for Skylar Thompson. So uh, I don't think that's something they love to do. I think it's like a little bit of a weapon they'd like to have in their back pocket for meaningful situations, but they haven't really leaned on it in a, in a very intensive manner and really in any given year since taking over at Kansas state. And I know that was a different offense coordinator, but it's, same head coach and, you know, a lot of the same offensive staff. And with DJ Giddens, I know some people were like, well, simplify it and just give him the ball. And that's fair. And, that, and you can say that. It's a lot easier to say that than do it, because if that's the way you want to rock with him, guess what? The other team knows exactly what you're going to do when he comes into the game. Because 
that, that was part of the problem with Jacardi right as well. So I think with him, it's about him becoming, getting a lot more vast knowledge, a wider array of knowledge so that when they bring in DJ Giddens, they're not tendency prone to know exactly what the, the to have the other team know exactly what they're going to do. They want to be able to run the entire playbook with all three backs. So the other team is not, you know, chopping at the bit, knowing exactly what you're going to do because you made yourself so predictable. I think a team that is has a lot of questions this year is Mizzou. And Mizzou in their running back position and their wide receiver position, there are a lot of moving parts, a lot of questions to be answered. Um, the guys at Mizzou, that's who, my guys and Maggie, I should say, at Mizzou, that's who talked about the offense at Mizzou, offensive line, wide receiver, running back positions. You know, they have some newcomers at Mizzou that are coming from some smaller schools, one from Truman State. And Maggie makes a great point. She says, you know, the the stats that you had at Truman State, this is not an SEC school. It's not against SEC defenses. So what are these young guys, you know, coming in? What are these transfers coming in going to do at an SEC school? What is it going to look like? Are they going to be able to perform just like they had at their old schools? So they talked about that a lot. Gabe and Tucker gave their input at to what Mizzou offense is going to look like, what it should look like. I think there's a lot of questions in Mizzou camp right now with Mizzou fans, with I think even Mizzou coaching has a lot of questions right now to still try and figure out what their their roster is going to look like heading into season. Talked a lot about the defense last week, um, just because I think that's kind of a, a big topic. But I think the wide receiver and running back rooms are are very interesting. The two position groups that we could talk about, I could probably talk about the offensive line for a while too. But the amount of talent that's on the running in the running back room and in the wide receiver room is very exciting. And I want to start with the running backs because they brought in a couple transfers. The first one, Nathaniel Pete, he's from Rockbridge. He's from Columbia, uh, and he comes back from Stanford after having a, a pretty decent season. Led Stanford in rushing with 404 yards. Now the Cardinal were not very good last year. I think they were three and nine. Um, hey, they so that, beat USC, right? <laughs> they did. So he had an 89-yard run, I think, in that game too against USC. So he played well against those guys. He was named to the uh, Doak Walker Award watch list. So that's not nothing. Uh, what do you think about the the transfer coming in? Uh, Nathaniel Pete, uh, already this camp's kind of getting into things. What do you think about him, Gabe? Yeah, well, he hasn't practiced much. Um, you know, we asked Drink yesterday, I asked him about the running back position and his answer basically, I mean, he kind of hesitated. I don't think they have any idea. I mean, mm. Pete had, I look, I don't know exactly the details. It was the first time I'd ever heard. He wasn't in practice one day and we asked him and Eli said, yes, he's hydrating. Oh. I mean, it was hot. Don't get me wrong. I was hot standing out there. I needed to hydrate when I got home and I didn't yeah. even do anything, but you know, it's obviously a little bit more. I, I don't know what was going on, but that was just something I'd never heard before. Um, Tavoris Jones, literally first carry of in live action in his college career, scores a touchdown from like the four yard line, then pulls up and grabs a hamstring. Um, hasn't, I think really practiced full since then. Uh, Eli said yesterday, Taj Butts was starting to do some good things. And the, then he had, and this is what I found. Every player who's who's got anything going on in Missouri's camp this year has a soft tissue injury. 
So, you know, that could be, it, it's gotten to be hockey where it's upper mm-hmm. body or lower body. I was injury, about to say hockey. I was about to say that too. I'm kind of interested in seeing um, Cody Schrader, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I know he was an All-American at Truman State, um, ran over 2,000 yards, 24 touchdowns. I'm kind of interested to see what he can do. It makes me a little nervous because D- Truman State is not, does not play an SEC schedule. It's right. different. And we, I mean, I, I did see some, we different. want Bama signs in Kirksville. <laughs> right. I, but I am, I'm excited to see if he can win the battle or if we're looking at more of a three quarterback or I'm sorry, three running back rotation. Well, it, I, I said a couple weeks ago, like, Find somebody that looks at you the way Missouri fans look at a walk-on running back. And that does not mean Cody Schrader can't play. He very well might play. I I don't know. He might start week one, honestly. Drinkwood said yesterday he's the most consistent guy in camp. But I still have a little PTSD from Drink telling us all last offseason, there's a role for Michael Cox on this team. (laughs) I don't know what that role was. It was not carrying the football very much. You know, so – it's just an uphill battle for for a walk-on guy to get it. I, I'm curious, and I don't have an answer to this, but like, I thought Elijah Young looked good last year when he carried the ball. I was pretty impressed, but he really couldn't get on the field much until they had no other option in the bowl game. And, yeah. you know, Drinkwitz said again the other day, he needs to be more consistent. Like, I just kind of get the feeling there's something that they don't love about him. Yeah, and that's something that could very well be possible. In the bowl game, he had 13 carries, uh, 75 yards, five catches for 32 yards against Army. So a decent day at the office uh, when he was forced to play, when he was put in there, when he had to play. As we mentioned last week, Brady Cook didn't have you know Tyler Beatty in that bowl game. He had Elijah Young in that bowl game, which played well, everything like that. I do think the Cody Strader transfer is very, very fascinating. He was a D2 I think he led D2 in all of rushing yards and he plays in the GLVC, which is, it's a tough, it's a tough conference, but it's also not the toughest uh, division two conference that there is. He was, uh, I I think that just having a guy like that, uh, that you can have a rotation, you're almost seeing this a little bit with the chiefs, right? You've seen a a few guys that can do a little bit of a little bit of everything. And I think that's kind of what you got with this running back room that can do, uh, you know, maybe the harder runnings, the, the pass blocking, the, the third down back, you're going to see that a little bit, I think, with this group. Yeah, I, well, here's I, the thing, a few guys. of them. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, does it matter? Mm. I, I mean, does it matter who starts? It's, no. it, it is the most replaceable position in college football, right? I, 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 there's going to be a guy back there. Well, this week, the best of everything is all football because we are in football season mode. And what better way to round out the show than with the Beyond the Game show with Dick Vermeil this week. That's right. Dick Vermeil joined the guys at Beyond the Game to talk about his experience coaching, what it was like from a coaching perspective in camp. We got a lot of insight from former players. You know, Jeff Allen, Mike DeVito talked about their experience in training camp as a player. And the guys at KU talked to Carter about, you know, his former experience as a player, but uh, Dick Vermeil talks about what it's like to be a coach, building those relationships, you know, trying to figure out what it's like on that side of the lines, I should say, and what it's like to delegate those roles, to build those relationships, and also to, you know, kind of build your roster um, as you're going through out training camp. 
there's, you know, a whole coaching staff that is trying to figure things out just as much as the players are trying to figure things out. So Dick Vermeil gives a lot of good insight with Kendall Gannon and Lamont Winston this week on Beyond the Game. When you look at special teams coaches, that's the only coach that really interacts with every single position on the right. team, right? Yep. And so I'm a, my, my question is, when, when you were, when you were uh, in that position, is that where you kind of honed your natural skills of building relationships? Because you had all kinds of guys, right? Yeah, you know, good question. And then no question, I think that helps. My whole thing developed from high school coaching. You know, I, I just, every day you'd be with those kids mm -hmm. and you'd see what a statement or a positive statement can do to help a kid and what a negative statement can do to hurt a kid. And, and you, you keep working on these different things with players to help them get better, help them be better students, help them be better young men. And you go into junior college. Now you're working with a bracket mid year or two older and they have the same issues and you have the same process. So all I did as I grew in coaching is mature the process and keep studying. And I had the opportunities to, to work with, you know, I, I have coached with on the same staff, 29 different guys that carried the title NFL head football coach. Wow. When they were one, after they were one or later became one. And I learned so much from all those guys. And by the time I came back after being out of coaching for 14 years, I couldn't be the coach style that I was when I left. When I left I, UCLA, I ran my own offense, called my own plays, coached my own quarterback. <laughs> yes, I had people with titles, but I was involved in everything. Mm -hmm. And when I left for 14 years, I couldn't do that when I came back. So now I had to, I had to decide who I delegate things to and who I designate things to. Mm -hmm. I, I designate Lamont Winston, your player program, do it. I don't go in there and tell you how to do it. Right. In fact, I, I learn about how you do it as we work together. You yeah. know, I don't think we ever said, gee, don't do it that way. I, I learned from you. But yeah. that same thing can happen if you have the, a proper communication system with your coaches. And then, you know, when all of a sudden you got to say, you know, I, I will move the scheme this way or let's run the ball more or let this and this. And this is how we're going to practice. You know, I never lost the organization of uh, the practice, the tempo, the pads, the treatment by assistant coaches. Uh, uh, you know, I just, I controlled all of that and it, uh, tried to create an atmosphere in which everybody enjoyed working and, and an atmosphere in which all players enjoyed being coached. Mm -hmm. Even tough coaching, tough love coaching, or happy fun coaching, you know? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it can be done. And every once in a while, you know, Lamont, every once in a while, I blow my sack. Pretty sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. At what point, like when you were out there 14 years, I know, you know, you, you just gained a lot. You used to tell us all the time, like, you kidding me? I get to go to all these practices. Yeah. I get to see how everybody's doing it. Yeah. Right. Right. When did you start seeing or hearing about player programs and, and, and kind of seeing what was in place that wasn't in place when you left football, but was in place when you came back? And I know when you started at the Rams, you had, you know, Kevin was there, but was there some point uh, in that 14 year space where you said, okay, that has value. So I'm going to, you know, 
immersed, I'm gonna have that position at my next stop. When, when did that happen? In that 14 year space of being out of it, remember I'm on a practice field and in a meeting room all season, mm-hmm. all around the country, high college level and NFL level. There's some generalizations that I took from those 14 years. Number one, people want discipline. Mm-hmm. As much as they'll complain about strictness and hey, it was it was mentioned the other day at the round table when uh the kid, excuse my mind, senior moment here from Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Tony Baselli said, you know, I, I, I didn't really care for, for Coach Coffin when he coached me. But boy, do I care about him now. What he taught mm-hmm. me, and he put, you know, what he taught me and what a better player he made me, what a better coach, what a better person he made me, you know. And I, I have said in NFL locker rooms next to a, a great player, and sit there and see a guy walk by and he say, Coach, if I were head coach, I wouldn't have that guy in my team. He says, we don't have any discipline problems because we don't have any discipline. Right. I got him say that to me. I said, how can you have discipline problems when you have no discipline? Dick Vermeil talks a lot about discipline right there. And in football, whether you're a college football player right now in training camp or you are a professional football player in training camp, Discipline is the biggest thing, I think. And I think for the Chiefs especially, discipline is what is going to get them back to the AFC Championship and ultimately the Super Bowl. I think, you know, in previous years, there has been a lack of discipline sometimes. I think maybe by a certain position, certain players that are no longer with the team, maybe, maybe they still are, there has been a lack of discipline. And that discipline is what is going to get you a consistent win every single week. Whether you're the better team or not, I think the Chiefs were the better team last year, um, and ultimately they just didn't come through. And I think that discipline is what is going to get the Chiefs back to the Super Bowl this year. I think discipline in college football is what is going to make the biggest difference with Mizzou, K-State, and KU. So discipline, discipline, discipline. So this has been the best of everything presented by Charlie Hustle. Again, Charlie Hustle is amazing. Check out all of their clothing. All of us hosts are wearing the Charlie Hustle shirts. They're great. They will be having KCSN brand coming out and you should check them out online. Get your own right there. But thanks again for tuning in every Saturday. We will be here to give you everything you missed from the Kansas City Sports Network. And once again, I'm Michaela Bennett and this is the best of everything. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.